all alone and broken hearted trying to calm the raging blow in my mind in search of many answers that my troubled soul just couldn't seem to find I saw
in my valley and he blooms all the time all the time I can count the times I've called your name so broken night you show up and patch me up like you do every time. I get amnesia. I forget that you keep coming around. And there's no way you'll ever let me down. Good God Almighty, I hope you'll find me. Praising your name no matter Is he God? He's God. He is good God Almighty. You say your love goes on forever and your mercy never stops. So why would I assume you'll be somebody that you're not like the sun in the morning? I know you're gonna be there every day. So what on earth could Tell me, is he good? Tell me, is he God? He is good God Almighty. Praise him in the morning. Praise him in the noontime. Praise him when the sun goes down. Love. Love him in the morning. Love him in the noontime. Love him when the sun goes down. Good God Almighty. Praising your name no matter what comes Cause I know where I'd be without your mercy So I'll keep praising your name at the top of my lungs Now tell me is he good? Tell me is he God? He is Jesus when the sun goes down Jesus in the morning Jesus in the noontime Jesus when the sun goes down and that scripture that I have up there says praise O servants of the Lord praise the name of the Lord blessed be the name of the Lord from this time and forevermore from the rising of the sun to its going down let the Lord's name to be praised so real quick sing with me bless the Lord O my soul okay Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh, oh my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, oh 
worship your holy name. Amen. Thank you, God.
sometimes and then I tell myself keep walking on Here's something up ahead It's waterfalling like a song An everlasting
said he would turn it around. God said he would turn it around. What the devil meant for evil, God's going to make it good. He'll turn it around. He'll turn it around. He'll turn it around. Say that again.
It's the song of the redeemed rising from the African plains. It's the song of the forgiven drowning out the Amazon rain. The sound of Asian believers filled with God's holy fire. It's every tribe, every
with you should drink any poisonous thing. None shall harm you. That is the word of God. When your prayers go up, the glory comes down. Your prayers set heaven into motion this morning. He sits on his throne, high and lifted up, waiting to hear if my children cry out. He said, and when he looked down upon the bondage of Egypt, he said, I have heard the cry of my servants. Does he hear you say he reigns this morning? Does he listen to you? Does he answer you? He said, you have not, because you asked not. I tell him this morning, you reign. God, all the darkness that has came my way this week, I lay it at the foot of the cross. I carry it no more. I lay my burden down. Thank you this morning. Rising from the African plains It's the song of the forgiven Drowning out the Amazon rain The sound of Asian believers Filled with God's holy fire It's every tribe, every tongue, every glad Sue's back. Praise yeah. God. Hallelujah. <laughs> right in the middle of her having all this at home problem, she, her and Mark put together this food back here. And I want you to thank them for that. And uh, I know they, they come over here, Mark come over here yesterday and was setting stuff up and 
just appreciate them getting it together at the last minute. Sometimes that's not easy when you're uh, all this stuff, there's having a shortage of food and uh, they're claiming they are anyway. So, but the, uh, they worked real hard to get that together for today. Don't want nobody to worry about walking off. We got plenty of food and if not, we got plenty of fellowship. So uh, plenty of coffee too, I mean, whatever that is. I also want you to remember uh, Shirley's niece, Rhonda. Uh, she came, they sent her back to her daughter's house a couple days ago and basically have told her to go home and brought a hospice in. And I told her, I told her Thursday in the hospital, I said, do not believe them, believe him. Because I can't help, she's in her 50s, and I look at her and I think it's not time for her to leave here. So I wanted to pray that way, and I want to keep praying that way. But uh, she just, uh, she's been fighting this a long time. She's been in the hospital three or four months. And uh, for them to send her home that way is not good. She's got three daughters, and they were all there yesterday. Charlie went out and prayed with her, spent a little time with her. Her mother's there with her. Uh, but just pray for that whole family. Also, I come in today and uh, uh, back here, Shauna uh, Lloyd Jr., my cousin, his daughter's back here and the family, and he's, he's in bad shape over at Westchester Hospital, and uh, they're saying he's not going to make it if things don't change. So I want you to remember them also. And I know we've got many more. I got a sister Ruby. I got a sister Becky that's not here today. She's been out a couple weeks, and I'm worried about her. But I'm not worried. I'm really telling you that we need to pray for people, lift them up in prayer, and believe God's going to help them. And uh, my sister Ruby's down in Florida, and she's in a uh, hospital, and she's had uh, she's got, I think, the flu. But at least she doesn't have the COVID. She's got the flu, so. They actually diagnosed a flu symptom. I don't know how they did that without COVID, but it is possible. <laughs> Praise God. I, I want you to uh, know I'm not going to keep you long, and I say that every week, but you're not having to go looking for a restaurant. You just go straight to next door, and we're going to eat. We're going to have a good time. But I want you, if you've got your Bible, to turn to the sixth <laughs> chapter of Matthew. God's put something on me today, and I, I've been hearing it all day, and I've been hearing it in the songs. And when Duran got up and said, I'm going to sing that song, I said, Duran, I knew you was going to sing that song before I got here. The lily in my valley. And I thought about the lily in the valley last night, and I thought, if God can look at the beauty of the lily of the valley, how much more does he love you and me? How much more does he take care of you and me? But in the sixth chapter of Matthew, and starting at verse 25, verse 25 says, Therefore, and this is Jesus talking, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. How many sees that? Take no thought for your life. Well, how hard is that? How many sits here and says, I don't think about myself. I don't take no thought for myself. But I want to tell you something. There's something in this. Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. 
is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment or clothes? Then he says, Behold the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them, and are you not much better than they? How many seen the little birds fly from place to place? Our Heavenly Father knows every one of them. And our Heavenly Father feeds them. Yet they're not productive. They don't do anything. We do things. We're, the, we're what God created. But what God's showing here, he's, he's, Jesus is making a statement. And it says, uh, on down in the next one, it says, look, verse 28, it says, Why take ye thought for clothes or raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil, they don't spin, and yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field today and tomorrow's cast in the oven, shall he, much, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Then he says again, therefore, take no thought. He says it three times here, but I want you to hear it because... I want you to get it in your mind. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or whether what shall we clothe? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But consider, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. In, I think I put that there. See, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Then he says again, therefore take no thought for tomorrow. How many worry about tomorrow? Come on now. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to admit sometimes I worry about things. I look at the news, they can worry you to death. But I know one thing, my, law, my God reigns. How many knows that? He reigns. He reigns over it all and Biden doesn't reign. And neither does anybody else up there. But our Lord reigns. Understand this, take, therefore take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take the thoughts for the things of itself. Sufficient in the day is evil thereof. That means every day's got its own class of evil. Everything in the world's coming against sometimes when you're trying to live for God and have faith in God. So you're getting challenged. And what Jesus is trying to explain here, and this is my whole message in a nutshell, don't worry. Here's what I just said. Don't worry. I look around and all I see is worry. We worry about everything. We worry about our money. We worry about our, our health. We worry about our jobs. We worry about our family. But I'm going to tell you something. When you make up your mind, I'm going to live for God, don't step halfway in. Don't show up every once in a while and say, yeah, I love God. No, get in all the way. Dive in. Get a hold of him and say, Lord, I'm holding on to that chain, that, that ship that Anna put in the bulletin. It was Jesus. He is the rock that the ship is being held back. He is the anchor that holds it. But what are we doing in this life? Christians, you're pulling back on the chain to loosen a little bit of, of Christ. You're trying to pull it off of Christ to say, I need to drift over here and compromise a little bit. And I'm going to tell you something. Your compromises put you in the danger zone. You're getting dangerously 
uh, in a place where the enemy gets back in. You have to hold on to the anchor. I'm not pulling against the anchor. The anchor's holding me from, from a reckless life of my own. But the anchor does hold. Look at Philippians. I want you to turn to Philippians 4. This is the main place I want to read today. Philippians 4 and look at verse 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Praise God. We, we did some rejoicing today. Why? Because inside our heart, we have nowhere to turn but to him. I'm going to tell you something. I don't know what the world's holding on to, but I'm glad to come into the house of God because I need strength every week. I don't know about you. But I need to be around God's people. And I need to feel the presence of God when I get around God's people. And I need the prayers. And I need the lifting up of what God's people will do. Because they come together with one thing in mind. Lord, we come in your presence to lift you up and to trust you. He says, let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. What is moderation? Well, moderation is something like a gentle and a calm spirit. You know what? We need to be moderate. You know, Christians, I said this before, but I'm going to tell you something. If you don't act like a Christian, it's hard for the world to have any reason to want to be like you. They don't see Jesus in you. And you talk of Christ and his power and his miracles and his love and his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. And yet we have no forgiveness. We have no power. We have no idea what to do. We're scared to death. We run in fear and doubt all the time. I'm not picking at nobody. I'm telling you how the enemy is constantly working against us. But I want you to see these words because these words are saying the same thing that Jesus said in Matthew 6. They're saying, don't worry. Listen to what he says. This moderation, it's gentleness, calmness, forbearance, restraint, it's temperance, and it's self-control. It's what people see when they see a Christian. Listen to me. You ever had somebody say, I don't know what that person's doing, but something in them is just as calm. They don't matter what storm they're going through. It's like they got a peace about them. They got a, they got a mercy upon their life. They got a reason to be have hope when there's no hope around. You can't see it in the physical eye, but inside their heart, just start talking about Jesus and you'll find out the troubles just fell off. And they don't want to hear nothing about nothing. All they want to do is lift up the name of Jesus. Because why? He made change in me. He made a change in you. If he didn't make a change, then you wouldn't have nothing to talk about. But he did something I couldn't do for myself. It says in verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. Now I want to ask you, what do you think be careful means? What does be careful for nothing mean? It means don't worry. It means quit being anxious about everything. 
Listen to what I'm telling you, Christian, because, see, we have to get to the place where we put our faith in God and quit looking off the other way and allowing the enemy to defeat us, and God works by faith in him. And we don't have no faith in him because we're scared all the time. We're worried about every little thing. My child ain't just doing this. You know what? I got lost children. I got lost grandchildren. But can I tell you something other? That's not, I can't save them. All I can do is keep holding on to the anchor. All I can do is keep on walking the best that I know how. Because I got to keep myself anchored. You got to keep yourself anchored. You don't live for your children. You live for God. I mean, here's what I'm saying. We got to stop thinking about everybody around us as they're so precious. I'm going to tell you what's precious. He's precious. And if you don't love him first, you're not worthy of him. Sorry to tell you, but it's a, it's a battle that goes on in this body. A battle goes on in this mind. He says here, be careful for nothing. That means don't be anxious about nothing. Everything that comes up. You got problems coming up? How many's got problems coming up? Everybody's got them. I can have to go to the dentist and I'm, I'm nervous wreck. But you know what? I have to turn around and pray about everything. How many knows that's what that's saying? Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. What does that mean? Prayer, praying to God, and crying out to God. And do it with thanksgiving in your heart. That means you're saying, God, I pray to you, I cry out to you, but I thank you before you ever answer. How many knows we got to be thankful? We should be thankful today. I can't help what the president said is going to happen in January. You know what? I'm going to be thankful today. And I ain't just doing it because it's Thanksgiving season. You got to do it because you believe in him. And you trust him. He's never put me on a limb and then cut the limb off. He will take care of us if we'll put our faith where it belongs. If we'll make up our mind. I just don't go to church and say, yeah, I believe. Yeah, I like that song. Yeah, I believe. No, you go to your knees and you get on your knees and you say, God, I love you. And I got problems, God. And I need you to help me with my problems. And Lord, I'm coming to deliver them unto you. I cast them upon you, Lord. Because I can't do it. I can't beat them myself. I'm not strong enough. I don't know enough. I can read God's word, and all I know is he keeps on giving me a little bit at a time to say, say that. Say that. Look at that. That's, that's jumping out of the pages. See, God's trying to build our faith and build our trust in him. He said, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Don't stop praying. How many hears that? Don't stop praying, Christian. Let me tell you something. If you ain't got a prayer life, you need to get one. If you truly love God, you need to talk to the God that you love. And you need to serve him. And you need to be with your ears open to what he's wanting to say to you. And if you're not reading your Bible, read your Bible. Guess what? It's not written to preachers. It's written to people. It's written to every Christian that's, that reads it. It's your promise, not mine. It's your promise. And he says, And the peace of God which passes under all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, and pure, and lovely, and a good report, 
uh, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now let me tell you something. If you come out of here and you say, wow, I got through church. I didn't fall apart. I made it through it. But I'm going to go and I'm going to have a good time this week. My rest of my time's mine. I'm going to tell you something. That's That's not a relationship with God. God's telling you, think on the good things. Think on these good things. If you don't think on these good things, the enemy will fill your mind with a lot of things you shouldn't be thinking about. And you'll find yourself wondering where God is. And he's right where you left him. You feel good praising God. You feel good believing what God's doing. I don't know about you, but I felt God's presence here this morning. I felt like the Spirit of God was free to enter the church. Well, he don't have to come. Yes, we gather, and we gather in his name. But let me tell you, sometimes he just flows in here. Why does he do that? Because we have a heart crying out to him. Lord, we want you welcome in this place. This is a refuge. I don't know if you know it, but it's a refuge. I need it. You need it. Not because we're special. We're only special because he answers our cry. And he comes and shows up, puts his arms around us. And he lets you know, I know what you're worried about. Don't worry. That's what he's saying. Quit worrying about those things. I had my father and my mother get sick and die. And can I tell you something? I wanted to get in my father's body and help him get better. But he, I couldn't do it. But can I tell you something, Shauna? I tried. I wanted to. I had it in my heart. I wanted to help my father. I even told God, my life's not important. His life's important. But it wasn't meant to be. And I have to accept that my God's in charge. And you know what I find? We can go forward after that day. You know? I can either go forward in him. I don't know how to go forward without him. He's my reason I go forward. Without him, we have no forward. Those things which we have both learned, received, and heard, and seen, Paul said in me, do them. Don't just see them. Do them. You hear me, Christian? Don't just think. I need to pray more. Say, Lord, somewhere today I got to get alone with you. And I got to find you. And I got to talk to you. And I want you to know I want to talk to you, Lord. I want you to talk to me. Did you ever ask God to speak to you? Speak to you? See, I sometimes will read stuff and I might not understand what I'm reading. And I'll say, Lord, I understand. Help me. And I have to cry out, oh God, open my brain. Look beyond my thoughts, Lord, help me to understand. And you know what? God always shows up one way or the other. Sometimes he'll send it through what Atlanta put in the uh, in the bulletin. Just struck me, and I can't get, I want to preach it over again this week. I don't know why, but it just, that, uh, that anchor just bothered, it just bothered me all week. Lord, that's what's wrong. People's going around, Christians are going around pulling off of Jesus. Pulling away from the, pulling on the chain. Let go, I want to compromise a little. That's destroying our our Christian nation. Destroying a Christian home. Moms and dads, quit compromising. Kids, get aligned with God. 
If you ain't aligned with God, then somebody's leading you wrong and don't pay no attention to it. Because they'll lead you and the enemy's behind it and they may not mean it that way, but the enemy will get behind it and destroy you before you find out what's really going on. Make up your mind, young people. You either have God, you either desire him, or you will find the enemy will get in your life. And you'll be down the road with a lot of choices that you should have never made. Because you never considered talking to God. You never considered praying God. You never considered asking, is this right for me, God? Is this honor you or is it not honor you? In Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called into one body, and be ye thankful. How many knows the peace of God will rule in your heart if you let? If you'll keep your mind fixed on him, I don't care where you go. I don't care what your job is. I don't care how bad the weather is. You walk out of here, you walk into this world, and if you'll keep your mind upon God, the peace of God will rule in your heart. And I don't care if you walk into the grocery store, God will bring you around somebody that needs to hear what you have to say. Simplicity, simple, a simple prayer, a simple cry out, oh God, use me today. I don't understand it, Lord, but use me. It says, 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. How many knows God cares for you? Then start casting your cares upon him. Quit holding on to him trying to fix them yourself. You can't fix them. You can't fix your wife. You can't fix your husband. You can't fix nobody. You can't fix your children. But if you cast those upon him, he cares for you. I mean, here's what I'm saying. He will care for you, and he will work on them when you ain't nowhere around. If he don't, you ain't going to reach him. They've already made up their mind. Mom and mom and whoever is, is their enemy. I've got to work around them. i got to hide and sneak around them. Don't let them know what you're doing. Because they'll be condemning you. They'll say you're doing the wrong thing. Oh, I don't want that. So they sneak around you. You ain't no different than the rest of us. We all sneak around. Psalm 55, 22, cast your burdens upon, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. There again, talking about casting your burdens upon him. What are you burdened about today? Are you burdened about what our country's doing? Are you burdened when you look on the news? I get burdened sometimes when I look back at some of these old tapes of our church. And I think to myself, where is the praise? Where is those that's hungry for Jesus? Where's the lost souls that we should be bringing into the house of God? Where's the conviction of the Spirit of God? It won't come by just having a good service. It'll come when we pray, oh God, save them, Lord. Reach out and help them, draw them in, Lord. Just like you did me, Lord. You wrenched into my heart when my mom and dad didn't understand what was going on inside of me. You knew what was going on inside of me. You knew what I believed, what I didn't believe, what I understood, what I didn't understand. You knew when I was hurt way back. And you knew I was holding on to that, but I needed to let it go. 
and I need to just trust you. How many knows what I'm talking about? God knows you already. You got to start letting go of those things. To keep him first, you have to let go of this world and its ways. Isaiah 41, 10 says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, I will help thee, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty confirming word. Christian, you ought to be able to read that to yourself every day. Mouth that right in your prayer room, right up on the wall. Okay, you've got that prayer closet or your war room, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to tell you something. Put that one on there because it says, Fear thou not, I am with you. You know, I, I told my wife you know, yesterday, I said, Sometimes I look at things and I say, Lord, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. Lord, that's too hard for me. I'm not that person. I can't do that. And sometimes God's telling me, you got, I need you to do this. And then I got to thinking last night of Moses when he said, Lord, send somebody else. I can't go to Pharaoh. What would I say to Pharaoh? What will I say to the people of who sent me? And you know what? God said something real simple. You just tell them, I am sent you. And I said, let my people go. How many knows what God said there? Did you know he didn't have some big story? He just walked up to Pharaoh and said, the Lord said, let my people go. You think that Pharaoh understood that? I'm pretty sure he did. He said, I don't know who your God is, and I ain't going to let him go, but I know what you're saying. You come to me in the name of your God, and you're trying to tell me to let those people go? And who is your God? He ain't nothing to me. But soon he'd find out that when God said, I'm going with you, that I'll be with you, how many knows God was with him? And the miracles began to happen. And Pharaoh got put in, the, put in his place to where he said, let them go. I can't take it no more. That could only happen by the hand of God, not by Moses. See, we're just the same as Moses. God tells us to do stuff. He tells us to believe him and trust him. He tells us not to worry, but sometimes we just keep arguing with him. Lord, I got a better way of working that out if you want to just bless what I'm doing. How many knows God don't need our help? We just need to hear from him. Matthew 8. It says, and when he was entered, in Matthew 8, 23, and when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. Listen to this. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves. But he was asleep. How many knows that story? Jesus was asleep in the boat. But you know what the best part of this story is? Jesus was on board. Listen to me. If you ain't got Jesus on board, you better worry. You better worry till you find a place to repent. But when you got Jesus on board, listen to me, he's in your boat. And even though he looked at them disciples when they woke him up and said, don't you care that we perish? And he said, oh, you little faith. And he rose up and he pointed to the sea and he said, shut up. Tell you what he said, shut up, be still. Praise God. That's not allowed to be said no more, but we're, we say it anyway. 
But Jesus basically said to that storm, peace be still or shut up. And the storm calmed down immediately. Why? Because he's the son of God. And he is on the boat with us. If you're a Christian, he's in your boat. And sometimes I don't understand when I'm trying to cry out to him. But sometimes I realize that he don't look for big words. He already knows my vocabulary. It ain't very high. So he just tells me, believe me. Believe me and speak it. Praise God. And you know what? When we do that and trust him and don't doubt him and don't fear and don't get anxious about it and worried about it, guess what? God moves. God moves on that boat. And they said at the end of it, what manner of man is this? Because they saw Jesus as a man. What manner of man is this that even the, even the sea and the storm obey his voice? Wow. Let me tell you something. We ain't serving a God that we have to go around worrying all the time. We, I don't care what situation. I don't care what your storm's about today. I'm going to tell you something. Put it in his hands. Before you do that, put yourself in his hands. I'm trying to tell you the truth. I'm not hollering at you. I really ain't mad at nobody. But I'm going to tell you something. I want you to hear me. You've got to calm down about what's going on. And you've got to settle it in your mind. My Lord, he reigns. And he ain't worried about what he's doing, what, what's going to happen with my flesh. I'm not worried about what's going to happen in this world. He takes care of his own. Another fellow in, in this, and I want to tell you. It's in Mark 10, 46. Listen to this. This is Jesus and the disciples. It said they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. Now I want you to put yourself in blind Bartimaeus' shoes. I want you to consider I'm blind. I've been blind all my life. And I'm sitting at the right, right on the side of the road, and I've heard these stories about this Jesus. And all of a sudden, Jesus is passing by. How many hears it? How many seats are so sitting there? You have no hope in this life. You can't even see what's going on. But he heard the noise, it says. It says, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. How many knows what I'm talking about? You can't shut up somebody that's wanted Jesus. If they truly want him, they don't care if it's embarrassing. They don't care how silly it looks. It's all of a sudden as he's passing by and I'm not missing my chance. I'm not letting my chance go by. I want Jesus. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him and that he should hold his peace. But he just cried the more. A great deal. How many knows he cried out more? You couldn't shut him up, could you? Could they shut you up? If you were sitting there blind, could they shut you up? Could, could they keep you quiet when Jesus was walking by? No. You'd have been crying from the depths of your heart. 
If you'd have been a mama there with a little baby that was sick, you'd have been crying with all your heart. How many knows Jesus knows the heart before you cry? But he wants us to cry out to him. Bartimaeus cried out. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be called, and they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good comfort, arise, he calls for thee. And he, casting away his garment, arose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on his way. I don't know about you, but that's just one victory. We got victories all over here where Jesus passed by your life. And you took the time to say, no, I ain't got nothing more important than finding Jesus. I need Jesus to come to me. I need personal. I need him to come to me and forgive me of my sins. I can't blame it on nobody else. It's all me. The gospel gift of salvation is laid open to everyone. But we have to hear it, feel the pull and the call of God, and come to it and receive it, knowing that we have nothing to give him but ourself, our sorry self, our stinking self. We take our stinking thinking and we bring it to Jesus. Isn't it beautiful how he can change a life? How he can turn the heart inside? In Luke 10, I'm almost through. Luke 10, 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village. This is Bethany. It's a little village. Doesn't mention it here, but that's where they come into. The little town of Bethany. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to, came to him and said, Lord, listen to this. There's a Martha, a Martha spirit here, okay? She's got it in her mind that I'm doing it all. Ain't nobody else doing nothing. How many knows what I'm saying? Look at my sister. She's just sitting there doing nothing, and I'm trying to fix a meal for, for Jesus. But my sister ain't helping. So she goes to the Lord. She says, hey. She says, she says, Lord, does not, does not thou care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, to help me. And Jesus said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. What's she saying? You're anxious and worried about this meal. One meal. Be careful, Christian. Sometimes we act that way in a, in a, in a restaurant. Hey, I paid for my money. I got a seat, and I want my food now. And I want it good and hot. And I want you to smile when you give it to me. You know, sometimes we can act a little ridiculous to be called Christian. And 
I'll tell you something, though, that that rubbed people the wrong way. They'd say that, you know, I've even had them tell, man, my daughter up here, that she's, she'd even tell you, I've asked before, and you know who the hardest people to deal with in a restaurant? The Christians. The Christians. You know why? They don't tip much. I mean, I've heard this out of people's mouths. They don't tip much, and they're very strict about everything. They don't want this kind of ketchup. They want that kind of ketchup. I'm sorry. I know it's true, but I'm sorry. Sorry, you're, if you're guilty, I'm sorry. But she's careful and troubled about many things, and Jesus told her that. He said, but one thing is needful, and Mary chose the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Listen to me. Mary, and I heard Larry say this a long time ago, when you've been forgiven much, you love much. Mary's the same one that washed, took that oil, washed his feet. She washed his feet, and she, she dried it with her hair, dried his feet. That was a big custom back then. When you came to eat, they clean your feet because you've been on the dusty trail. Mary had came a long way to get this one. Martha always thought she was doing the right thing all the time. But Martha needed to see Mary's greatest need was Jesus and what he would say. Praise God. Praise God for a family that sees that. I want Martha and Mary to be together in heaven forever, don't you? I don't want them to be sisters that hated each other or mad because over a meal or one of them worked harder than the other. I can't help what happens there. But I know this, every one of us, God knows our heart. On down in John, 11th chapter, you've all heard this story. There was a certain man who was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that same Mary, it says in the second verse, that, that washed, his, washed his feet. On down at verse 14 in that 11th chapter of John, it says, Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. How many know Lazarus died? Jesus first said he was asleep. And they said, oh, well, that's good that he's asleep. Then he said plainly, Lazarus is dead. I am glad, he said, for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent you may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. Now I want you to hear something. Even in death, no worry as long as Jesus is there. You hear what I'm saying? You ain't got to worry if Jesus is with you. When Jesus is there, he will come and take you bring you to that paradise, to that place where you will be absent from this body and in the presence of the Lord. That's not my words, that's his words. I mean, here's what I'm saying. He has beat death for you and I. And here he is saying, I'm glad for your sake that I wasn't there. He could have went right straight to him. And Martha and Mary had it in her mind. If you'd have only been here, he wouldn't have died. Because we've seen you raise, we've seen you heal people. We've seen you do all these things. You have great power. 
But how many know that Jesus had to let him go? He stepped back, hung around for a couple of days, it says, then went a different direction, and finally, when they found out he was dead, he said, okay, we'll head that way. How many know Jesus was doing something? It says down in verse 25, and Jesus said unto her, talking about Martha, I am, I am the resurrection and the life, and he that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And he asked the question, do you believe this? On down at verse 41 in that chapter. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, listen to me. Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou, that thou hearest me always. Listen to me, Christian. Do you believe he hears you when you cry out to him from your heart? Then don't worry. I don't care if you have a great hoop-de-doo time in prayer or yours just complete silence. When you pray the prayer to him from your heart, he knows it and he hears it. It ain't about how much noise you make. It ain't about how loud you pray. But it's praying with faith, believing from your heart. Jesus said, I know you always hear him, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus spoke, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. How many hears that? Jesus had no doubt he had power to bring him back. But he wanted them to see him have power over death. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If it was all about raising the dead back then, he'd have raised more than three. Because three is always recorded. But I want to tell you something. He's raising Martha. He's raising Lazarus back up. He's preparing us to spend eternity with him. We'll have to have a new body. This old body, I don't want to take it to heaven with me. It's got to have to have a change. And I hope they don't have no medicines up there. I'm sick and tired of medicines. Even when it makes you feel good, you feel lousy. I don't want to be dependent on nothing but him. Uh, I'll mess up and get through this one. First John 4. This is the one I want you to hear. I know I want you to hear them all, but this one here is good. It says in verse 16 of 1 John 4, it says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God. Are you dwelling in love? Is love what you're about? Or are you so wound up with what's going on that you hate everybody? You know what, sometimes I get in places and I see people and I think to myself, ah, that's one of them liberals, that's one of them, I don't even want to talk to them. You get that way? Sometimes you get that way. You know what, be careful. Enemy loves for you to get upset. Sometimes I look at people and I think, ah, they're just going along with them. They got that carrot, they're eating on the carrot. They took the juice. They're just following the program. 
You know what I did find? I did realize my sister Jamie and I was talking yesterday, the day before yesterday. You know what I realized? The compassion people don't have. Very little compassion in the hospitals and ER. It's more about the program. I'm sorry to say it, but you have very little compassion in our world. People don't trust nobody anymore. Don't believe in nobody. But we can't be those people. Can I tell you, we're supposed to be calm. There should be a calm spirit about Christians. There should be a no worry in my mind. God's still in charge. God's still in charge. He's still taking care of us. Whatever it looks like, he's bringing this world to a day when people, he's trying to pull the skirts up. He's trying to open up the eyes to what's happening in our country because he wants us to stand up and do what's right. See, I think we're ready. We have to be ready just like the apostles. I'll stand for Jesus if they kill me. I'm going to stand for Jesus. You can't shut that up. They cannot stop this gospel out. They can go all over this world and put all kinds of sanctions and all kinds of rules upon everybody. But I'll tell you right now, they'll never stop the gospel of Jesus Christ. They cannot shut it up. Because why? It's coming from the heart and it's coming from something that's more alive than this life. He says, herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Listen to this verse. What I want you to hear. This, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. Now, let me tell you something. If you're running around scared to death of everything that happens, of every time they put something on the news, you're saying, oh, no, I'm going to have to add that to the problems. And the problems are outweighing everything else. Listen to me. If fear is what you're working out of, if fear is what's driving you, he said there's perfect love cast out fear. What's he talking about? He's talking about if you really knew how much he loved you, you wouldn't fear nothing. How many knows that? If you really knew how much God loves you and has called you and sent you to be in this world, just in this generation, if you really knew that and really believed it, you'd say, I'm in love with him and he's in love with me. And I don't have to be afraid of nothing. See, I don't have to be afraid no more. Fear should be not in my category. Now, you know, he sounds a little bit arrogant, don't I only feel that way when I stay close to Him. When I'm praying daily and reading my Bible and coming to church and feeling the love of Christ. When I see it upon you and I see it upon others. And I say to myself, oh God, I need you every hour. We love Him. my good works or my good person that was going to earn anything with Jesus. He just loved me. He already paid a price before I was ever born. And yet he allowed me to come into this life. He brought me up and he gave me life. He gave me understanding of who he was. And he's the same to every one of 
has not given us the spirit of fear but of love and of power and of sound mind be a sound mind person today put your mind on him put the power in his hands put the love in him Lord I gotta love everybody I might not like them but I gotta love them anyway and I gotta be kind to them don't test me French man, he was a philosopher years ago. He came to America in the 1800s, early 1800s. This old philosopher came here with one goal in mind. He wanted to find out what made America so great. That's what his goal was. So he comes here and he looks out at the harbors and he looks at the rivers and he goes check those things out but it wasn't there that he found the greatness of America. So he went and he looked at our Congress and he looked at our Constitution and he said, no, it's not there either. He looked at the fields full of crops and he said, no, it's not there either. What made America great? He said, I didn't find that out until I went into the churches. And he said, I saw people that were bowing themselves before God and crying out to him, believing. He said, then I knew what was great in America. It was those people that loved God. That's what made America great. Now he recorded this back in the 1800s. His name's they sing something, you come. We're not trying to make you join our church or be something you ain't. I want you to just come with your heart and say, Lord, I need you. I know that I need you for a long time. Today, the door is coming open to you. Bring yourself to him. Without him in your boat, you ought to worry. You ought to fret. But as long as he's in your boat, about anything. He will keep you. He'll keep his own. Praise God. Once sat alone beside the highway begging 
Oh, his eyes were blind, and the light he could not see. 